down and dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Crackling Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm going to hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Mondays, it's my good friend, McKelly Barrett. McKelly, what's up? Well, uh, I tried to think about a way to sing a uh, voicemail from the phone or whatever, <laughs> uh, mm. but I'm so bad at this, and I couldn't find a, r- a rhyme that um, okay. helped me out on this. We'll have so, to have you and L-Man do a uh, collaboration on this. Yeah, we have to. I'll have to get you guys. I mean, I'm not good at karaoke. You don't have to be. This is just, it, come, it, has, to, it has to be from the heart. So yeah, that's what it's all about. So we'll make it happen one way or another. Maybe the L-Man will have to do it. If the L-Man has to do it for us, so be it. But we do need a voicemail Monday theme song, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's um, it, it's deserving. So we have to. I just have to come up with, um, with a good way. I mean, L-Man is so great. I mean. That was off the cuff for the L-Man, the Twitter question yeah. song. So he can come but up he with had like a like, music. Like it was not like complete improvisation. So like finding the good the good like a good music to put I can under find the music. I can find the music. Okay. Yeah. Then we will make it happen. Okay. All right. Prepare yourselves. Okay. We're gonna get started with our voicemails. This one is from Bangelope. Oh. Hey Andrew or McKelly. This is Penny or Bangelope on Twitter. My question is if you could only have one dessert for the rest of your life. Which one are you choosing? And try to be as specific as possible. Thanks. Love the show. Love you guys. Bye. Thank you, man. Oh. for the question. It's a great question. Oh, oh no. What? This is such a such an impossible question to answer. It's a tough one. It's a tough yeah. one. It depends on like what mood you catch me in. You know? Yeah. You know, it's really tough to beat a peach cobbler a la mode for me. If it's just like the perfect, like flaky crust, perfectly baked with a big, big scoop of ice cream, it's so good, especially in the summertime. It's tough to beat. That's a, that's definitely one that I'm putting into consideration. Wow. I have no idea what are you talking about, but um, <laughs> it seems lovely, delicious. Um, so let's try to start with the top three, at least. Um, I would say that tiramisu is one of the desserts that I really like. Um, it's, I hope you know what it is. It's oh, yeah. basically, oh, I've had a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know that you had, you had one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we, we took it out of the fridge too early. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the second one, it's the famous, uh, it's, I think it's, uh, it's from Austria, the original recipe is the Sacker Torte, which is basically, uh, chocolate cake, um, with apricot jam, uh, in between. And it's. I mean, you, you don't have to put yeast inside because mm-hmm. you need to, to basically to whip the, the white of the egg 
so well that it basically gives air to dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, and you put like cream or ice cream, depending on on your taste, uh, to to go uh, along. Um, and then what about like true Italian gelato? Like that is yeah, that is probably my top three. Okay, in desserts. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if you if I can't have the sucker torta, I can have like a good chocolate cake. Yeah. If I can have tiramisu, I can have another, like uh, in Italian, we call it semi-fried, so uh, half cold, something that is not really uh, um, an ice cream, but it's it's not even uh, something warm. So it's something like that. Uh, I can have other versions, but like stay for your entire life without true gelato, that to me is impossible. I, I would not be able to like, it's something that we have every every week slash two weeks. Like, what's your favorite kind uh, of gelato? Ah, uh, that varies. I mean, as of late, salted caramel is my thing. Like, yeah, I, I it's really, really love it. Yeah. I really, really love it. Um, I think uh, that that is that is I think American mostly, but yeah. um, but it's um, it's good. So I would say Italian gelato. It's probably something that I couldn't leave for. The rest of my life without. So my other two favorites. This was actually it used to be a sponsor. So if you're somebody that's listened to our show for a long time, you'll remember when Andy's frozen custard was a a sponsor of our podcast. Oh, I, I do remember that. And that place is insane. It's crazy. There have look a couple locations here in OKC. This I think there's some in Tulsa. But that place is insane. It's so good. Uh, it's probably. If I like had to choose a place to get ice cream from, that's where I would go. Uh, it's a little pricey, but it's worth it. Yeah, I never after I'm done eating, I was like, yeah, it was worth every penny. It was so amazing. Uh, a little free advertisement for Andy's frozen custard. Uh, and then my mother-in-law makes these. She calls them cowboy cookies. It's a oatmeal um, chocolate chip cookie, mm-hmm. and they're huge, this big. And they're unbelievable. I will ask her. That's what I asked for for my birthday. I think I've said this on the podcast. Oh. That's what, when she asked me, like, what do you want for your birthday? I just say, just make me as many of those cookies as you possibly can. So, How much butter in it? I don't know. I need to. I actually need to learn. She needs to teach me how to make them. Which do they could, breathe which, butter? Which could in your be opinion, dangerous. Um, I mean, there's definitely butter. It doesn't seem like there's a crazy amount, though. Okay. Okay. But yeah. Anyways, those are probably my top three. If I would, I probably, I, I might choose the cookies, honestly. Like, I would be really sad if I couldn't have those cookies anymore. So, yeah, that's the point. I mean, there are so many refined dessert that yeah. you can have, but I mean, you can't probably live without something that you eat regularly and that you really like. Yeah. That, that, that is something that you can yeah. really. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Chuck forty seven says we can see the sh- Andrew. We can see your shirt. This is, so this is funny. I have, one of my good friends is named Jeremy Lamb. He's running for state house in Bethany, Oklahoma, and his name is Jeremy Lamb. And so it's just funny that we've met, we've had Jeremy Lamb on on our mind here at Down to Dunk. And uh, but anyways, vote for Jeremy Lamb if you live in the Bethany area. Uh, all right, our next question. This guy was a little perturbed, I believe, when he called, which I like. Here's the thing. 
I'd love to develop some characters over this voicemail. Like if you are upset about something we say, call in. This is a sounding board. This is your chance. You know, challenge us. If we have bad ideas, challenge us. That's okay. And we may defend we we could defend it or we could say, yeah, we were wrong or whatever. Like this is this is your chance. This is what this is what the Monday vo- voicemail Monday is all about. All right. So here is our Harden versus Westbrook question. Wow. Okay. So you're really trying to say that James Harden was better than Russell Westbrook, especially at the time. James Harden has not really done anything, and he proved he could not play with KD. Russ stayed with him for seven or eight or how many ever years. How are you, How can you justify that? They have the same accolades. Um, Russ was a better player at the time, and you're just doing revisionist history when you're generally being you know, pretty wise about this stuff. So just want to hear you talk about that. So the discussion that Alex and I had was centered around the possibility of trading Westbrook at the time instead of Harden, which, number one, wasn't ever going to happen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, number two, we're going to keep this pretty short because I think people don't want to hear a ton about the Harden trade. I will let uh, Michaela answer too. But here's, yeah, I mean, here's what you could do, though. If you <laughs> traded Russ, one, Harden just fit a little bit better with Kevin because he can shoot the basketball and mm-hmm. was is going to take more threes, is going to make more threes. And at the time, the Thunder weren't taking or making a lot of threes. And that's what set Golden State apart from everybody else is that they took they took more threes and they made more threes than anybody else. The Thunder could have geared themselves more toward that if they had Harden. Number 2, if you traded Westbrook at the time, you would get double the amount that you got for Harden. You get probably Bill probably sorry. I I I stumbled, but uh, yeah. that was one of the trades that w- that that were um like in talks and at the end they said, well, maybe we keep Beal, yeah, because he will be as good as Harden, yeah, which was wrong, but maybe yeah. for Westbrook you get him, yeah, or Thompson, by the way, yeah, yeah. So it's not just like one for one, because I mean, it's just preference at that point. Westbrook is a great player, like one of the best players to ever play the game, Russell Westbrook, like, and he was awesome then. And I don't want to detract from that at all. But when we're talking about basketball fit, and I know like what what's happening with the Nets, I promise you, is not because of basketball fits. No. So if you, you like, oh, they already proved they couldn't play together. Man, like, just go read the headlines from today. <laughs> let's and let's like really talk about it because it's not about that. And also, these guys were younger; they were different people. Um, it's just a what if, honestly. That's all it is. Um, Hoopsock 69, at least Russ shows up in the playoffs. I mean, Harden won the Thunder, you know, that game against the Spurs. I mean, Harden has, you know, played in some big-time games, too. I know he struggled in the closing moments of the game, but that's when Kevin is supposed to shine the brightest. He's supposed to, yeah, be, he, supposed to be number two, and so is yeah, Westbrook. exactly. So, like, I don't know what we're talking about there. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't rewrite history, so it's a big what-if, and whatever you say, it's probably... It's surely not based in fact. Um, so right. it's all hypothetical. Uh, what we can say for sure, though, is that Kevin Durant in his prime would top any other player 
Harden played with by, I would say, a substantial amount, mm -hmm. like a huge amount. And those Harden-led teams were better than the Russell Westbrook-led team. Yes, yeah. he had more talent around uh, in some years, uh, but even in others. So you can say that as a solo act, their career is really similar. Um, Russ, when he was with KD, had a lot of good things for him. A lot of them, mm -hmm. um, but those were with Katie. So who knows? I mean, uh, my point is, if you isolate the years when they were the show, then Harden is better. <laughs> you it's, can't say anything yeah. more than that. You can say that he had a better squad around him, and that. But Paul George, I mean, Paul George, pretty George good. probably tops. Uh, I mean, Chris yes, Paul, the best he, he version of Chris, Chris Paul. Paul. Yeah, I think he topped. Chris Paul, just because of positional versatility and like yeah, but say this is even this yeah. is like just a draw, sure. Which which you can say, uh, or even say like slight advantage, Chris Paul. That team almost won it all, <laughs> like yeah. the Harden won. So as a solo act, Harden was better. Um, mm -hmm. If you if you say that, the drive that Westbrook had and uh, the fact that the team was his and, and and it show up every single day of the year uh never had the uh like all the context that harden put with the team with the mm -hmm. uh nightlife and whatsoever which is i mean we don't know about uh, yeah we we kind of know about it but we like it's all uh like, anyway it doesn't really count mm -hmm. so um it's hard to say that yeah no westbrook is, is definitely had more yeah when he played with kd sure but harden never did so yeah. uh i think that it's a fair question to ask like what if uh you keep harden and kd that used to run those second units with such a perfect like such perfection and with so many shooting shooters um like uh, if you have sorry if you have harden there then the, the, like your offense is so spread out. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think that Harden changed the way in which he played substantially uh, yeah. when D'Antoni like, coached him. Because before he was not like, ISO step back, ISO step back. This is the way that D'Antoni used to maximize the talent that he had. Yep. With KD, that was not the way. Mm -hmm. I assure you, it was way more pick and roll, way more other stuff. So it's, um, it's a good hypothetical to have. And yeah. uh, I think that the answer is, hey, that was a possibility, uh, probably, and sometimes you you just, you just try and, and and you pick maybe not the super best outcome. I mean, keeping Russ is surely a great outcome, mm -hmm. not not necessarily the best one. Yeah, I also think that Harden would have completely unlocked Kyle Singler. So there's also that. All right, next question is about. Yeah, can I say something about uh, really quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you lose something in terms of, hey, with Russell Westbrook, this team had, and I said it, but I want to stress it, the drive that that team had was a huge, huge thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that part, you may you may question, what is with Harden? Is, this, is it the same? That I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, next question is about scoring the basketball and this current Thunder team. Uh, yes, this is James from Oklahoma City, and I had a question about um, just the long-term um, building plan that the Thunder are on here. Um, most of the elite teams have two 
um, two good guys that can, can go score in the playoffs um, at any time. Um, Philadelphia has Harden and Embiid. Boston has Brown and Tatum. PG and Kawhi. LeBron and AD. Um, right now, it feels like Oklahoma City's the only guy they've got that really can go get a bucket is Shea. And long term, probably you've got three max slots at the most. Uh, and probably Shea and Chet with his unique skill set are both going to be max guys. And then I think the other thing that separates the championship teams is the surrounding cast around their stars. And it feels like with Chet, Dort, um, J-Dub, Ashley J, like we're on a good path there. Um, do you think Giddy and Shea are a good enough scoring pair to carry us uh, to where we want to go? Um, because it feels like, like I said, we've only got three max slots, so... Um, so that's that's what we've got to play with long term if we're trying to build it for long term. So just curious what you think there, and um, if not, what 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 do we need to do to get there? So thanks a lot. Appreciate. What do you think, Michele? I think it's a bit too early to call anything on either. Well, on on Giddy is a little bit too early. On Chet is definitely too early. Like we have no idea what kind of score Chet Holmgren will be in the league. Will he be Utah Jets summer league Chet uh, kind of scorer? Mm-hmm. Uh, will he be like um, twelve to two fifteen kind of guy? Uh, how many shots will he take from three? Um, can he take eight threes, six threes, five threes, two threes? We don't know. So uh, to say today that uh, we know anything about the scoring prowess of Chet, it's something that it's really, really um, something that I would not commit to either yeah. way. I mean, um, you, the listener here mentioned Embiid. Like, we had no idea what kind of score Embiid could be. We didn't know um, he could play. We, we didn't know if he's going to play in the NBA. Yeah, but let's say that he plays. Yeah. Uh, forget about the injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, the year at Kansas was great for him. But could you picture him being a 30-point-per-game player after that year? I mean, no. You see, like, tools everywhere with Mm -hmm. him. Like, uh, some trees, some, like, dunks, some some movements, some larger one uh, drop step and stuff like that. Yeah, by the way, like, his college stats, can I read them real quick? It beats... 11 points, 8 boards, 1.4 assists, 2 blocks. Yeah. He took 5 total threes in college. Yeah. He made 1. Like that's uh, I mean that's what we saw from him. Like compare and contrast that with Chet. I mean it's just it's just kind of funny, you know, he's like he's 14 points, almost 10 boards, 2 assists, 3.7 blocks. I mean, he was a lot better college player, and he played the whole season where Embiid didn't. Yeah. And yeah. you're right; like the we didn't. Right now, we're evaluating Chet based on what we've seen in like summer league, this pro am at Gonzaga, maybe some of his high school stuff. 
But man, the time you develop your game is really from the age of like 20 to 28. Like that's when you discover who you yeah. really are as a professional basketball player. Not to say that like, oh my gosh, Chet's going to be so much better than Joel Embiid. No. But it took no, time for Embiid. Point. It took time for Embiid to really break out of his shell. And if Chet can reach, I mean, Chet's got a really high ceiling. Like Chet could be the the number one scorer on this team. Like you can't close that door. Uh, he could be the number three guy. Like we just we just have no clue what he's going to be. He's one of the more intriguing players to ever come into the NBA because he has such an unusual skill set. Like we just we just flat out don't know, and the Thunder don't know either. If yeah, you, let's, if, let's let's talk Shay for a second. Um, and this is related to the other take that I had on Giddy still being very early. Like year one of Shea is a 10 point per game scorer in on a very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think he rose to 14, 16, something like that. I don't remember. And then we, we saw glimpses of in year three of, oh, wow. And in year four, we had that like after also break moment where it was yeah. okay, <laughs> like yeah, whatever. So. It's like we have to be extremely patient. Um, I know that it's uh, if you wait for it to happen or not happen, then you're not making any prediction. Um, and, and yeah, that's true. But um, development, especially in the first three years, it's huge. Uh, and if you don't see it, it's a problem. If you see it year to year, then it's um, then you can't. You can't stop and saying, okay, like we saw, like imagine Giddy from Giddy from the N- NBL to Giddy to the NBA. It's mm-hmm. already a huge jump, like yep. a huge jump. Like in summer league, he showed that against lower level, he, yeah, he, 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 he didn't, he wasn't efficient, but he was playing in a, with some huge cockiness. Like yeah. it was just, Hey, I'm here. I'll, I do whatever I want. So uh, I am really curious to see how we gear up for the next, for next season, because yeah. that is going to be extremely important. So yeah. um, as of today, yes, Shay is the best scorer uh, as of in 10 months. We will see. Yeah. You, Probably still is. And with Giddy's scoring, it would be a little surprising if we, got to the level of being super competitive and Giddy was the number two score. It would just, I would be surprised. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he can score the ball. He's aggressive. He likes to get downhill. He will shoot when he's open. Like all those are good qualities. However, I mean you even think about like if if his like ceiling comp is like Jason Kidd. Mm-hmm. Like, Jason Kidd wasn't even like the number two score on those Nets teams, you know? Yeah. Um, you, I think that Giddy likes to score, though. I think he does too. I, I just wonder if he has the elite ability to do so. Um, and I'm not going to put a ceiling on it because he could acquire that. Like that could be something that comes down the pipeline. He's still very young. He's younger than most of the guys that were just drafted. Yeah. So I just wonder. I don't. I I don't know the answer to your to the question. It's a good question. It's something that we need to be thinking about when it comes to like the way that they build this team, but. A lot of this, you just have to let it marinate. And if, mm-hmm. and if let's, we could get to the end of this, and it's like, well, Shea's more of a number two score. Giddy is a starter, but not a number one or two score. And Chet's not that either. You may have to acquire somebody via trade. 
Mm-hmm. I think that may be the case, is that we get to the end of this, and like, yeah, like we're trying to pigeonhole these guys into roles that are too big. And mm-hmm. that could be the case. So we'll see. Any other thoughts on that? No, again, uh, Ongidi, I mean, I, I'm with you. Um, as of today, you don't see many avenues for him to scoring efficiently. But hey, it wouldn't be the first player who doesn't score efficiently to take a huge load in OKC. Yeah. All right. Our next voicemail uh, is about Chet. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Michele. Simon E. Dog here from Los Angeles, California. It's early, but what, if any, are your biggest concerns or improvement areas for Chet? Uh, during the summer league, I was concerned about Chet's ball security. I felt like any time he was ball pressured by a smaller guard, he either had to pass out or he got stripped. Um, thinking guys like Chris Paul or P.J. Tucker would be a nightmare for him in the league. And uh wondering if he could potentially get teamed out on offense and uh and then on defense if he has is a, is decided it's to be switched on and guarding the smaller guards, uh if some of his benefit on defense is mitigated by the fact that um he might be losing a lot on offense and getting schemed on on defense as well. So Wondering if there's any concerns there for you guys or any improvement areas that you guys have early on for chat. Uh, anyways, thank you guys for the great shows. Uh, appreciate and always look forward to hearing from you guys. Thank you. Thanks so much for the call. It's a good question. Uh, one thing that I think that he needs to get better at is letting his teammates help him to like leverage his scoring a lot of times he tried to take it upon himself to score especially like in summer league and this pro-am game which is like mostly what thunder fans have seen of him and one of the reasons he was so efficient at gonzaga was that like drew timmy helped him like leverage everything (laughs) and the whole gonzaga offense did too that's why he shot like 80 percent at the rim and so learning how to play with – I mean, I'm really – I know, like, everybody's really excited for the Giddy-Chet pairing. I'm really excited about the Giddy – or the, the Chet-SGA pairing because <clears throat> we're talking about a player that can, like, shoot the ball from deep. He can drive. There's just so many ways that Shea can score. And to have a big man <clears> – excuse me – that can finish at the rim like Chet does and then – who can shoot it from the corner, pick and pop. I mean, all this stuff. I think that that pairing is going to be really, really interesting. And, you know, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it. Most people that I hear talk about the Thunder, it's just about Giddy and Chet. But, man, I, I think that that's going to be interesting. So, to me, it's – and it's not even really a criticism because summer leagues are just a time that you just – you're trying stuff. You know, and he was trying a lot of stuff, and it was great. There were some like spectacular moments. There were some bad moments. Um, so that's something. And then, like, just stuff of like I do. I, I agree. Like his handles got to get tighter. 
He's got to become more aware. He's got to figure out how to play against smaller guys, against stronger guys. I mean, there it's going to be a feeling out process for him. There are going to be moments of spectacular this season where he's like 30 plus points per game, you know, 15 boards, three blocks. You're going to be like, oh, he smokes. Like, this is our best player. And there's going to be nights where he's like six points, four boards, a block in 30 minutes. You're going to be like, where was he? Like, what happened? You know, that's a part of being a young player in the league and being a rookie. So, um, yeah, long way of saying it, but there's just, there's a there's going to be a lot of things he needs to improve in. But I think learning how to leverage his offensive talent with Shea is something that I would really want to see. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, I know it was already said, but um, to me, like the only really red flag that I drawn from from summer league was the handling. Um, I mean, he had a lot of moments where he not only um, he had issues with ball security in general, like the fact that he was dribbling too high or yeah. uh, exposing the ball a little bit too much, um, but he was also guarded in a really weird way for a guy that is seven feet tall. Like they did send him double like at, uh, at midcourt. Mm. So it was kind of weird. Um, my my main question with all, with ball security was uh, was also related to, hey, where I'm dribbling towards to, like um, like putting himself into a situation that were dangerous. Like yeah. that is something that, uh, I mean, uh, you need to clean up. Um, but to be worried about that, like, like, yeah, if you're worried about ball security, forget it. It's seven feet tall. You're in a good spot. Uh, and, um, I think that, that, that to me is the, is the whole point. Like whatever summer league showed us is that Chad is extremely interesting and the red flags. Yes. I mean, the body will always be there until he yeah. sustain four seasons of competitive basketball, <laughs> like, right. which is something that a lot of players fail to do. Uh, so it's uh, un- until we pass that moment, um, the body will always be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if your weakness is ball handling security uh, and you're seven feet tall and you can hit step back trees, then it's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> I know. And that's where I'm just curious how Mark will use him. You know, because mm-hmm. you don't, and Mark is really good about this. And sometimes to the point with some guys that you're like, what, is, what are we doing? Like, what's going on here? Uh, he doesn't, def- he doesn't try to define guys' roles, like, mm-hmm. you know, box these guys in. And he's done that. Like, Darius is like the guy that I think most people think of, and Poku are guys that, that they think of. Because sometimes you're out, they're out there and you're like, what are they doing? Like, why, why is this happening? He, you know, Mark lets these guys explore the studio space of their game. And that, to me, is it's good in the beginning stages of their careers. Uh, yeah. and, and he kind of like coaxes them into understanding what their strengths and weaknesses are. Now, there have been guys that I feel like ha- have not been able to identify what their strengths and weaknesses are. But I think mm-hmm. Chet is somebody that could do that. And I'm just so, so curious to see what that looks like. Because there, I mean, there's scenarios where it's like, hey, Chet, grab the ball in transition and push it. Uh, if not, we were going to want you playing off of Giddy and Shea and creating space for them and creating, you know, dunk opportunities and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Right after that, we will have more calls, specifically a call from Thunder Baby. We'll be right back. 
And we're back from that quick break. Uh, here is our next voicemail on Voicemail Mondays from Thunder Baby. Hey, what's up, fellas? It's the OKC Thunder Baby, Goo Goo Gaga. We know the Thunder love to utilize the G League. Trey Mann played seven games with the Blue last year. Poku played 11. How much time are these rookies going to spend down there? Like, if I set the line for Usman Jang at eight and a half G League games, are you taking the over or the under? What do you think about the rest of the guys? Appreciate it. That is a very interesting question. Um, one that I, I will struggle answering. Um, I'll set lines for players, and then you can and then you can answer. Fantastic. So yeah, I think eight and a half for Jang is a good number, and just like I think we talked about this last week, but they are playing again at the Paycom Center, which is outrageously convenient for the mm-hmm. team. There were, I mean, Trey Mann played a game. He played two games with Paycom last year mm-hmm. the same day, where he played for the Blue in the morning for the Thunder night. So those are, you know, it's just it's great. It's a great developmental tool. There aren't a ton of minutes to go around for everybody, like just flat out. There's not going to be a ton of minutes, and so I do believe that the G League will be utilized in times where players aren't getting minutes that need minutes. Because uh, the truth is, like, all the guys on the roster need minutes. Like, mm-hmm. Every single one of them, outside of Favors, who I don't really believe is going to be on the team, and then, like, Mike Muscala, like, he's there. And if they How need him, dare you? Him. I think they'll use him, but I'm just saying that, like, as far as developmental minutes, Mike is what he is. Everybody yeah. else needs minutes. Um, okay, Usman Jang, eight and a half. Um, it's probably over. Not by a um, mile, but I think that he needs, he will struggle probably a little bit physicality wise in the league early on. And I think that probably Mark wants to give other guys, um, uh, I don't know, maybe Poco and Baisley a little bit more time. Yeah. And so um, he can, he can start there. But not, like I'm taking the over, but not not by by a mile here. Jalen Williams, J Will, over yeah, J- over under eleven and a half. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how many games the G League has, but I would put ten games uh, tops with the with the NBA squad. So, how many does the G League season have? I don't know. It's it's weird. They have this tournament that right. they yeah, like it. I don't know. Like right. Yeah. Each team plays a fifty over. game schedule. How so many? Fifty games. Oh, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. This is what NBA frequently asked questions at gleague.nba.com. Okay. Then it's definitely over for J. Will. Okay, over under 0.5 for the other Jalen Williams, J-Dub. Wow, that is that is a great line. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think that he will play one just as a Trayman special. Like maybe maybe the one where, hey, play like JRE played, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he played for the blue. Yeah. Um, so either he is as good as Giddy from the beginning, which mm-hmm. is very possible. Yeah. 
Oh, he will play one. He's a high pick. I don't know. It's that is that is, is very pick? difficult. Is he, you put up a, like, yeah, I would bet one. So, okay. uh, I would get the over here. Over. I'm going under. I don't think he touches the G League. I think he's too really. Good. Yeah. He will get. I think that J J Dub and and this is probably something that I will bet against either Jay or Taylor, whoever. Um, <laughs> that J Dub will have a huge, huge, huge impact uh, with the rookie wall sometimes in January, mm. where I just miss 25 trees in a row. Yeah. And I could see that. And then I, I think that maybe he will get a few games there just to recoup some of the um, trust and whatever. Mm. Maybe. Uh, I think that this shot is something that we, in summer league, we, we really didn't discussed or we tried to forget but mm -hmm. i think that he's shaky like really shaky mm -hmm. in terms of either, both free throws and, and tree ball yeah. um it's something that we will have to monitor going forward and i i, I think that uh, maybe he will get maybe he'll get a week like just in the when they do the, the tournament wherever it just goes yeah. yeah it's possible uh over under four and a half for aaron wiggins uh, under, I mm. don't think he touches the G League. Woo! You don't. No, why? I don't know. He's a second year player. <laughs> yeah, he's very and good. There's not, and there's not. And the thing is, if you're playing, I mean, if you're playing all your guys at the beginning of the year, there's a chance that he doesn't make the cut. There's just a chance that that doesn't happen. So. Especially yeah, if, I would, if, you're, if you're playing I, I, I big would, minutes for Kenrich, it's it's going to be tough to find him like legitimate time. To me, zero. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think. Let me put it this way: mm -hmm. I think it's likely, um, it's more likely that he, he gets traded, that he plays in the G League. Okay, he's very good. Like good, like. He can play 20 minutes on a normal NBA team and yeah. be okay. Yeah. I, I thought he looked great in summer league. Also, yep. just an incredibly nice human being, too, which is. Yeah, but even if, even if you don't count summer league, like just forget about it. Forget that he shot the ball really well and the shot looks way better. Forget about that. It's hard to forget. I know, but try to. Okay, I'm going to try. I mean, I'll try. I'll try. The, the Aaron Wiggins that was there at the end of the season for the entire season was a player that you could trust on an NBA court at any point, including closing minutes. Yeah. We're just running into a situation where developmental time is important for a lot of these mm -hmm. guys. And there are priorities that exist within the organization, mm -hmm. particularly with guys like Alexa Pokushevsky. And it's important to get those guys real minutes in the NBA to figure out what they really are. And so there will be moments and pockets of time where a guy like Aaron Wiggins will sit almost because we know what he is. You know what I mean? Yeah, but Kenrich didn't play in the G League. Kenrich is 26. Yeah, but 27. he was a third-year player, fourth-year player, whatever. I know. I, I know. I... I just he's, I, he's I, too qualified for for that. Yeah, 
Aaron Wiggins. You, you is, may be right. You may be right. That happened fast, though. Because <laughs> he played how many games did he play in the G League last year? Um, because he played in the G League. Like how? What were I'm trying to look up his G League stats real quick. Aaron Wiggins G League stats. Um, I think he did. Let's see. Did he not play? Oh, this is the no. I think he season. did. I'm looking at. Um, but I don't remember. Yeah. How many games? Six games. Yeah. And you think he will play more this season? That was I a bad four. line. No, no, I said four and a half. Yeah, it's bad. That's how bad those less than last year. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I still think it'll be under, but I do think he'll play. Okay. G League. I think that they'll throw him. Maybe it's like, hey, we can't get you minutes this week. Like, do you want to go play for the G League? I think they would like, say no. I think it'd be like, great. Let me no. Go. Let me why? See I, let me see if I can go get thirty on the you know, big horns or somebody. You know, <laughs> I don't know. This is a lot of Aaron Wiggins discussion. Uh, all right, next one. Vic Krejci is he even on the roster to begin the season. Oh, um, I thought there was a question on Vic Krejci. I was. All years. No, we're still uh, playing the over-under. Um, I think that he is likely not to be. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think that the roster crunch is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, over-under, 0.5 for Trey Mann. No under. I don't think he plays there. Although, I, I think that Wiggins and Mann will not play. Mm-hmm. And it's almost... Like it's a super weird concept, but I think it makes more sense for Trey Mann to go there and cook for three games and just mm-hmm. hoist forty-five shots than it is for Wiggins. Mm-hmm. But I would still take the under. Uh, over under three and a half for Poku. It it hurts, but it's probably over. And it's probably going to be the last year of Pokushevsky. Wow. Or something like that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, if if he goes over three and a half, it's such a bad sign. Yeah. He should be zero. He's over under should be zero. And it's not. I hope it is. And I will go back to a point that I made earlier. It's just the amount of time that is like actually there to be had is shrinking for these players. And I just wonder if the G league is utilized in a different way than it was the past two years where it's like, like a little bit like summer league. Hey, you are 23 and younger and we have opportunities to play with the G league. They're running the same place. It's the same thing. Top to bottom. We want to. We need to make sure we get you game reps, and we can't get get you everything here with the Thunder right now. Yeah, if you can line up, say Trey Man, Pokushevsky, J Dub, Jang, uh, J Will, and these are your starters, 
Yeah. Then it's basically okay. I like, kind of feel that, like that. why wouldn't you? Because there there's probably a scenario where there's like a a three game span where it's like you know what we can't we we want to try some different things, and you guys. Go play in the G League for a few games. We're going to try these other guys. Like It's possible. Different things like what? Winning? Three in a row? That is something that you want to try? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Trying to maximize the team for just a minute, guys. Go go over there. Get away from... No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know what I mean, though. Because I do think that they're going to reach this point of one, you're going to have to figure out who some of these guys are. Like Darius mm-hmm. Baisley, we've got to figure out, like, who are you? Are you an NBA player? Are you not? If we don't think you are, we got to trade you. we got to get you gone. Um, mm-hmm. They've got to start making decisions. And mm-hmm. some of these decisions have to come faster than you want them to. Uh, Poku, you still got a little bit of time. But Baisley, like, you got to decide. Yeah. So... Just, no, if, just, if they use G League that way, which is very different from, I mean, again, it's basically Summer League uh, Redux, like where you have all your young players. Chet will not play, uh, of course. Yeah, I didn't Diddy even mention him. There, there's ain't no way Chet touches the G League. There's no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you basically have Shea, Dort, Giddy, um, Wiggins, and Holmgren as your starting unit or whatever. You have Kenrich, Mike, um Trey man um this is basically your eight i'm sure that i'm forgetting someone very important but anyway um and then you basically run all the rookies for stints in the g league where they can play together um 40 minutes 48 minutes that that makes sense then then the over under for anybody can be like even more than one because you are really using this as a development league in the real sense like mm. you have rookies you want to win so you don't want to waste nba time to develop them yep. uh you you basically play the g league like if you use it that way then i can see even more like the thunder winning more games <laughs> like if you don't play poku if you don't play um jeng with the grown-ups then you're likely to play kenrich you're likely to play mike mm-hmm. uh you play only mature ready to win kind of players and you like the rookies well um, i think they cycle the guys kind of in and out you're starting you're, you're starting not to like the idea right yeah the, i can the see it in sucks. your height yeah this your idea eyes, sucks yes. yeah this is a terrible yeah. idea yeah. should have never even discussed it um <laughs> this next question is about shay Hey, fellas, this is Caleb. Um, my question is about Shea's defense. And I know y'all talked a fair bit about, like, Shea kind of being forgotten. Like, he's the, this whole thing and, like, the forgotten potential superstar, I guess. Um, and I I think him defensively has always been a thing that people talk about. As, like, it should be there. He's got potential. He's agile. He's long. But he's never really done it. And I'm thinking about Jason Tatum in like his whatever third, fourth season when everyone kind of was just like all of a sudden he's, you know, uh, an all-NBA caliber wing defender all of a sudden. And I like don't know enough when I watch to see really what changed for him. It was just like the Celtics were playing more meaningful games, effort, it was something technical. So I'm just curious, like, what should we expect from Shea defensively and 
and just like what do you guys think about that part of his game uh, so thanks yeah the Shea thing to me is it's about two things for him it's like when do the Thunder start playing games of consequence because then we're going to like really know who Shea is uh, mm-hmm. and then two can Shea play 70 games in a season and some of that's unfair to him I think because mm-hmm. of the team's the team's goals and Shea playing 70 plus games didn't quite match up the last two seasons and some of that was yeah. injury based and some of it was like I mean if they were going to play a playoff game I don't know this for sure but I think there's a chance that he could have played you know at the end yeah. of the season and so you know, they're wanting to make sure he's 100%. I get that, and that's a good thing. You know, he didn't play at the end of this season, then he went and played for Team Canada. It looked great. Um, but it's just about team goals at that point. So when they're playing games of consequence, is he playing 70-plus games? And then we can get into, like, some of the other stuff. Like That's, like, what's going to matter, like, number one thing. Is, like, yeah. Can he do that? If he does, great then we can get into more of like defensively he's taken a big step back since he's gotten into the NBA now that they have better players on the team can he slide back into like being a better defender uh, i think that's going to be important and then just efficiency cuz he's already one of like the top 15 scores in the NBA he is already one of the best dribble drive attacking guards in the NBA Mm-hmm. He's getting to the line. I think he's like top 10 in free throw attempts per game. I, this is like a real deal scoring star player. Like all the stats say so. And can he do it consistently at with efficiency? And then can he stay on the court? Like to me, those are like the first questions that you got to, that he's got to answer before we like, nitpick defense and other ways that he can improve. It's just like we can't skip those steps is kind of how I feel about him. Yeah, but let's say that we are indeed nitpicking for for just five seconds. Yeah. Um, I think that when I discussed in the past uh, in our podcast about, I think it was in the on the Dream Team show, um, which is a very nice podcast that you all should subscribe to um we discussed the idea of like playing for winning every single time Mm -hmm. every single game Uh, and i think the defense has a lot to do with that you can't have moments where you just don't play hard if you're trying to win every single night and i think this is part of the shea game that we have to see um i think it was there when chris ball was here uh, he was surely there uh, when he was playing for the Clippers. And, and you can say that over the past two seasons, that was not the main focus. That was like trying to develop into an offensive hub, which requires energy, which requires um, focusing on different stuff. Um, and it happens to many players, not just Tatum. Um, think about Devin Booker. It, it was the same for him. He had to become the hub of that offense. And then he he is not a great defender today but it's better than what he was Mm -hmm. in those years when phoenix was losing a lot of games so uh, this year i really want to see him playing at another level like playing 
as a guy that really wants to win every single game and plays hard every single game. Um, maybe it's not the season. Maybe it's uh, a season from now. This is uh, Andrew preference anyway. Um, <laughs> but it's but it can be now. Uh, and if it is, then we we are going to see a different level there because it's not that he can't do it. Um, we have seen even in these seasons when when the game was on the line, Shea was there, <laughs> like yep. stealing uh, stealing balls here and there, uh, playing hard defense. So he's surely capable of doing that. He just has to do it, and it takes a toll on your body, on your mind, to be always ready, uh, no matter if you're tired, no matter if something happened to your life, no matter no matter anything that is a context to basketball. You just have to get there and win, and and when we will see a team uh, in the model doing that, uh, we, we can judge if Shea is good or not on mm -hmm. the defensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it's a chat question. Hello, Andrew and Mickey. This is Trey Brown calling again with another voicemail question. Just want to thank you guys for answering these. And so far, so here's my, here's my question. Uh, for you guys. I posed this to Joe Masato the other day, but uh, I don't think it got answered on the Dream Team pod. Uh, it seems as though Chet is going to have more in his bag uh, than he had at Gonzaga and that we're going to put him in some positions not only as a play finisher, but as a ball handler. Now, what I'd like to see from him is some reps where he's uh, working as the uh, pick-and-roll ball handler. But my question for you guys is, in these possessions, if Chet is working as the pick-and-roll ball handler, who is going to be the best screener on this team uh, to get the most points per possession for the Thunder and the offense, basically? So, like, who's going to be the best screener? Who's going to be, uh, you know, the best option as a role man? If Chet is the ball handler, who's going to be the best option, you know, to uh, pick and pop, uh, just to finish a play, or to just give him the best quality separation coming off that screen? And then a uh, side question for Mickey. Uh, I wanted to know if he had revisited his pineapple on pizza opinion, if he's tried it, if he's ever tried it. Uh, I think it's a great combo. You know, you've got some acid from the pineapple. Cheese is nice and fatty, so all those lipids are going to soak up those acid molecules. And I want to know if he's ever read the book Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, because I think he'd really enjoy it. Anyway, thank you guys for answering questions, and I uh, hope to hear from you soon. Oh my gosh, we have to answer the last question first, please. Look, I promise you, um, I will try. I will try because in, I mean, it's not something that I want to do, but when you're, when you like <laughs> food, you don't have to, to put your mind before your taste. Yeah. I mean, you can play with that. And so why not? Let's try to put something really savory with, with, with pineapple and see what happens. Um, okay. So now I will try. Yeah. It's not that a tomato is not a fruit to be completely fair. So yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of pineapple on pizza. Always have been, always will be. Um, okay. Hey, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I've been wrong on food so many times. Um, it's just a preference. It's not right or wrong. It's just a preference. It's just you yeah, like it's it not, you sometimes don't. it's really wrong. Yeah. There are something, some stuff that are wrong. But anyway. Yeah. Maybe that's true. Uh, <laughs> like, so, can I can I tell oh, this? Yeah. Yeah, uh, this is very wrong. funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to uh, be involved in math 
like very theoretical math. Yeah. And sometimes I I went to conference and stuff like that. Sometimes uh, I was there just because I I'm Italian, so I could I could cook, and I was invited because I could cook and talk about math. So one night I cooked um, um, a full dinner, and it was lasagna. And then as a another dish was um, cured salmon that mm. you basically um, and there was a side to cure salmon which was like a French cream or whatever. It's it's basically sour cream, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I saw a girl eating lasagna and then taking a spoon of sour cream and putting on top, okay. eating together uh-huh. and drop it in between, taking my tiramisu, taking a spoon of that and then restart the lasagna with the sour cream. Now that is wrong. Like there is no one who could convince me that a putting um, acid cream, basically sour cream on, on lasagna is a good thing. And two, eating um, tiramisu and lasagna. That is so weird. One here and one there. Um, okay, uh, I completely forgot about chat, but uh, probably the, the, the question was uh, about the best pick and roll partner. Uh, I think that it will not be a big man. Yeah. Um, I think that Kenrich has a lot of chances to be the best pick and roll partner for chat mm. because he's so smart. Yeah. He can basically play the short role, finding the corners and stuff like that. If not, I think that, it, I mean, if Shea would be willing to be a screener sometimes, which it was for Giddy, um, yeah. Yeah, 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 that would be amazing. That would just be insane because he would draw so much attention. Yeah, and he can he can cut pretty well. Yeah, Shea can. Oh, so, I, know. Um, I mean, I know that the, the answer that uh, he probably wants was Giddy because he's tall. He can he can, but I think that the gravity of Giddy is kind of an issue still so it's 100 percent an issue yeah yeah so i would not take him as uh the first answer this is why my answer is j-dub oh yeah that's that's a good answer he's he's thick and beefy he can be a, he's stout a good screen long arms yeah. we've seen we've already seen like the the brilliance of his moving without the basketball yeah, and so once if the he, shot goes in, that that can be probably the best answer. Yes, if his shot is falling, if he's like thirty-seven percent from three or something like that. Whoa! I mean, oh. Whoa! What do you mean? Whoa! Get do, get out of do, here with your woes. Do you want to 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 make like an official bet on air? <sighs> can I wait? Can we? Can this be no? preseason? No, it has to be now. It does not have. Does not have to be now. It does yes. not. Thirty-four over under. Gosh, that's a, I, I gotta, you, no, I can't do it now. I can't do it now. <laughs> I just said, what if? I just gave you a what if, and you're like trying to, you're, this is, I'm get, this is where I get myself in trouble with you. I still owe you, I, I still owe you half a pizza. Yes. He's a career 35% three point shooter in college. He was 39.6% from three last season at Santa Clara, 3.2 threes per game. Um, took 106 threes and made 42. Um, and the thing is that like last year's threes were way more difficult than his first two years. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm not ready to commit yet. Anyways, he, if he's able to screen and pop or he can roll, like he's dunking everything. Mm-hmm. 
in the summer yeah. league. Uh, to me, that's the guy because yeah. he's he's going to be the one that's. I mean, he even said it on the podcast whenever we talked. He's like, "I'll fill up Gatorade bottles if I have to. I'll do whatever." You know. Yeah. What about Jang? Do you think he will be able to screen? I think he will be able to let it fly after the screen, but not sure if he can really do it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I have so much to learn about him. Yeah. I yeah, um I'm excited for him. I think that he definitely is somebody in the future to think about. I don't know about this season, but yeah. in the future I think that he's someone that if it works for him, then the answer is yes. Yeah. Um because he's a giant, um, and he is really, really skilled. Uh, I, I often, when I think about this team, don't really factor him in a whole lot because I just don't know what we're going to see from him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an, he is so interesting. I think that that's like really underrated part of like this Thunder rebuild is Jang and like what he can be. Uh, okay, we're we've got several more questions. If you need to bounce. You can. However, you need to answer at least these next two questions. So okay, one, I will. This one is about food, specifically just for you. Okay. Hey, fellas. I would like to know what Mikey considers an egregious, foul take that Americans have on Italian food, or if there is a specific aspect of American food that he disagrees with. And... If left to his own devices, what is his favorite American meal? Ciao. Wow. Um, no, the, the the common mistake. Well, let's say the the one of the mistakes that I heard. I don't know if it's common, uh, but it's from Fred Cass. He thought it the pizza was American food. That is not true. <laughs> that is one hundred percent not true. It, it came from Naples. Uh, the second thing is spaghetti alfredo is really not an italian food um it's something that was basically adapted to the american culture so it is i think born in i don't remember if it was new york or brooklyn or whatever um the third uh, which i don't remember um the third part of the question um oh my favorite food oh it's yeah. that's easy i mean i love meat yeah. and I mean, I heard that Oklahoma's barbecues and stuff like that are amazing. I tried only the Texas version uh, of it uh, because I couldn't get to a place when I was there. Um, But I mean, true American meat, however it's cooked, like barbecue, steak, whatever. That is is something that I can't find here, especially the barbecue. Good steaks, yes. Barbecue, no. And it's... It's a culture there. We don't have the culture to cook barbecue as you do, guys. Yeah. So, yeah, barbecue is good. I got a couple spots that I gotta take you to the next time that you're here. Yeah. Um, next one is from our guy Josh Morrison. I think he's got a couple different questions, if I'm remembering correctly. He's greedy, like you with the picks. Uh, he is. It's a good way to be. Uh, here's Josh. Andrew, Michele, this is Josh Morrison checking in from Virginia. So as Mickey knows, I just had to cancel a trip to Italy last minute. I'm super bummed about it. So, of course, I thought where better to bring my negativity than to the most cheerful podcasters on the planet. So my question is, what would be the most disappointing development outcome this year? Not narrative, just development. 
For example, Trey can't stay on the court defensively. My fellow Josh stops shooting threes. Chet, Chet decides to lose weight. Or Sam Vecini deconsecrates the Church of Tofu. Stuff like that. <laughs> anyway, love you guys. P.S. I was at Woodstock 99. Yikes. Oh, no. Woodstock 99. Gosh. We might have to have you on a August pod or something just to talk Woodstock 99. Um, yeah, most disappointing storyline or, I guess, development. What, what would that be for you? Mm, the most disappointing is Chet not impacting the game defensively. Like, he, he's just off. Like, he's thrown off by big guys. He can't find timing. That would be unexpected and really a bummer. Because if Chet is not at least average, if not better, right off the gate, I would be extremely surprised. It would be a disappointing storyline. Nothing very conclusive, I agree. Uh, but hey, I mean... If Chet is not good, that is a hell of a story, and it's it's another good one. Um, yeah, that would be awful. in order. The second one is if Shay's shot is gone. Oh, uh, that like was mine. Season. That was mine. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I still I still for you. Um, yeah, that's second. Like if Trayman can stay on the court, yeah, bummer. But yeah, like, in the grand scheme of whatever. things, he's who the cares? Eighteenth pick in the draft. It's like all right. Or you know. like another one. What if Dort keeps shooting? 14 times a game. <laughs> like, that to me would be... Oh, that'd be... Uh, wow. You're just, just sprinkling some Dort hate in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it's 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 been a while since I've been a little bit negative on low. Yeah. So I, I kind of have to get back there. Uh, and yeah. yeah, okay. Let's say he takes like 14 shots and keeps shooting 34% from three. Mm-hmm. That would be a bummer because we all thought that, hey, now we have... Uh, door that behaves and that takes good shots, mm-hmm. uh, which is only in, our, only in our minds because we actually never saw him doing right. uh, doing it. But um, that is also a story yeah. that I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in 43 games, Shea was 53% true shooting and was 27% from three last year, the first 43 mm-hmm. games. His last 13 post All Star break, 39% from three, 63% yeah. true shooting. It's like, who, what's, which is the real, what is the real Shea? You know, probably neither. It's probably somewhere in between, which is like, the, yeah, it's just yeah. the way that life works. Yeah. And I think that the, the first part of the season, like teams were just basically tagging him with two guys every single night. Yeah. And it wasn't the case at the end. Um, there was also, less giddy which means uh less like say first 20 games of the season giddy which was like not the best running mate for shea mm-hmm. um again at the end of the season there was like a different roster playing basically and the other teams were not putting the best effort defensively so i really think that um defense was uh, like opponent's defense was a huge part uh, of Shea's dipping uh, in the in the percentage, uh, he had to take awfully difficult shots, and and that all like always mess with your percentage. Mm-hmm. So I think that if he if he's a little bit more judicious with the shot, and if Chad provides a little bit more of spacing, I think that he could be easily 37 percent easily. Yeah. That I would really bet that he's over thirty five and a half. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe this is how you get the half pizza bag. <laughs> if you bet the under. I don't want to bet the under. I want to I want to be positive going into this season. I'm already everybody thinks I'm too negative anyways. Um okay, a couple more questions. You can bounce whenever you need to. No, no, if it's a couple uh, I could stay. Okay. It's really just one and then one and we're just going to end with the voicemail. No no okay. res- no response to it. Um okay, here's our next question. Yes. Um who do you think is going to start for the Thunder this upcoming season at the four? JRE or Darius Baisley? So if it's just between those two, I would favor Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's not impossible that Darius starts uh, because they want to see like defensively what Baisley and Chet look like together. And also just to kind of like give Baisley a chance. Like, okay, we're giving Baisley every last chance this season to figure out who he is on the court. Does he fit the long-term trajectory of what we're trying to do? Uh, I have my doubts about that. I also would be a little curious to see what it looked like. Um, yeah, me too. So I don't think it's impossible that Baisley starts. Also, just because like this is a year of like discovery for this team and for what they can be. And so if you're going out there and you're trying to win basketball games, you're trying to develop like a sincere rhythm to what you want to do, you don't start Darius. You just don't. Yeah. So I'm trying to check something while I talk, which is a very bad thing to do because I will probably lose my thoughts um, here and there eventually. Uh, but I wanted to um, to try to find um, base lineups data with Mike Muscala, um, yeah. which I guess it's a very sparse amount of minutes. Um, but I, I, I kind of remember then would Bayes, Bayes start to get to the bench. Um, oh, bench Bayes was like a real thing. He was legitimately a lot better from the bench last year. Yeah. So I, I wonder if part of it is, hey, when I start with guys that can shoot the basketball, I, I'm better uh, because my shooting, it's kind of, um, I mean, it's a little bit masked by uh, by other players. Mm-hmm. So I wonder uh, if um, with Chet on the court, he can be better uh, than than him being with JRE or with Favors or I don't know uh, the Akita and whatever. Um, turns out that it's not really positive, but it's not uh, terribly negative. Minus one point three. So maybe that is the deal. Um, yeah. Again, I'm not sold. Uh, you know that uh, where I am in terms of evaluating his defense. Mm-hmm. I'm not sold that he's a huge positive on defense either. Yeah. Um, numbers don't really tell that story. Um, maybe to a degree, but uh, he he's a good blocker, but he lacks physicality defensively, which is I think why he doesn't commit many fouls. Sure. So I really wonder where the value is with Basley. Um, but I'm ready to be proved wrong. Um, if he's he develops shoot the into... three. Like he's just like flat out has to shoot the three because he's not the creator that you hoped he could be when he came into the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's it. 
Like, if he can shoot the three, fine. Like, he's a good enough defender to get on the court. But if he shoots the ball like he has in his career, then you can't you you can't make it work with this team. Mm -hmm. Like you just can't. And that's just that's just like the the harsh realities of the NBA. The NBA is really difficult. And there's not room for everyone to be good. There's not room for everybody on your team to be successful. And Baisley Mm -hmm. has a lot of really great tools. He's a thirty percent three point shooter for his career. From the corners, yeah, good enough. From the corners, it's not good either. He's a career twenty five percent from the corners. Oh no, twenty nine. I'm sorry, twenty nine percent from the corners. You can't, you can't function as a role player in the NBA and shoot twenty nine percent from three and not be like good at something else. Like he, like Bruce Brown, is good at handling the ball, making decisions in the short roll, finishing at the yeah. rim. Great. You have those individual NBA skills and you're a good defender. Great. We can find ways to get you in here. Baisley's like not a good screener. He's not a good a guy that is good on the pick and roll. He can grab the ball off the rim and push a little bit, but he's not a he's not great at it. Uh, yeah, but even even defensively, like if you take Vanderbilt for example as a, an example, like a yeah. player that can't shoot, can't play on offense. Basically, he's just a rebounding machine. Yeah. That guy wants want to steal wants to steal your life. Mm-hmm. Well, like, even like Andre Robertson, we've seen it. Your, Andre Robertson yeah. was a zero offensively, yeah. like literally but, nothing at yeah, times. But defensively, he's him. I mean, just again, I don't think that Baisley comes on the court one, wanting to destroy the other teams. No, like the other the other players. That is what no. you have to do. Like if you are limited offensively. The defense should really talk for yourself for, for you. Like yeah. y- you need to see that the, when he's on the court, the, the impact of the defense, the way in which the other teams the other team attacks is different. Like after 40 seconds of like a lot of the games that Chet plays, the opponents were changing their way in which they were attacking. Mm-hmm. This is like this is how you impact defense. I mean, even the Houston game, where, where Chad started off really, I, I wouldn't say bad, but just kind of out of sorts. Like in the second half, mm-hmm. I mean, Houston started to say, "Oh, okay, I I can't do this. Oh, okay, no, 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 I can't go there. <laughs> I really need to to change other ways to find other ways to uh to to, to score here." Mm-hmm. This is what great defenders do. Yep. You just can't play the same way you used to against them. Yeah. You can't dribble against Mark Smart. This right. is something that Shay learned. Yep. Um this this is what I mean when like basically, yeah, he can be a serviceable defender. But if you're a serviceable defender that he's a minus on offense, I don't think there was a, there was a role for you in the league. No, there's not. And maybe there is down the road. Like maybe if he finds the right situation, he can be just like a corner three-point shooter. Like I think about uh, like Al Farouk Aminu. You know, Al Farouk Aminu finally found himself a role with the Blazers. Yeah, for two really, seasons. Yeah, and wasn't didn't really work anywhere else. Um, yeah. But it worked there for him. I feel like he and Baisley are like very similar players mm-hmm. um, in that like both of them have – like these NBA bodies, they're like, oh, great. Like, we can plug you right in here and here and here. And most of the time it doesn't work. And, mm-hmm. you know, finally he found a role in Portland that worked. 
you know, that's uh, to me, that's the kind of player that he is. And like, ideally he fills that role that Aminu did for the Blazers. Um, but he's not a physical defender, not a great shooter, not somebody that can do a whole lot else on the court. So to me, that's kind of who he is. And if he can, if he comes out and he shoots 40% from the corners, yeah, sure. This changes, it changes everything. Of course. Um, but yeah. Oh man, we've got some weirdness entering our chat. I'm going <laughs> to block a user real quick. Uh, okay. Those are all of our questions. We um, have one last caller. I'm just going to leave it. This is somebody who is calling from Presti's bunker. Uh, he claims, so we're going to leave this, and then we're going to be done. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Uh, for these Monday, for voicemail Mondays, make sure that you leave us a voicemail. Uh, I put the number on Twitter. Let me let me read it here, just in case we have. I know we have listeners that are not on Twitter, and. I've had people come up to me and say, I'm not on Twitter, but I wanted to be able to ask a question. How do I do it? This is like actually one way that you can do this. So the number is 405-543-1970. That's 405-543-1970. can put it in your phone uh, and then call it every like Saturday or Sunday or Monday and they'll get uh, thrown into this podcast. So I um, hope you guys have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. Oops, that's the L-Man song. Hold on. Actually, I'm going to have to edit I'm gonna have to edit this because I forgot to load it in. I'm actually loading all of these in live as we go. So this one is almost there. Uh, all right, here it is from Presti's Bunker. of Stillwater, Oklahoma, on February 13, 2022, four men sporting blue polos abducted me on my way home from basketball practice. Me and several hundred other boys from the class of 2028 are being kept in an underground fortress underneath the Thunder practice facility. Conditions of this bunker are immaculate, but it feels like I've been abducted by aliens. It's like where they're Frankenstein. Every day I'm force-fed hormone growth supplements by Barry Tramble. Mom, you're listening to this. I I want you to know that Sam Preston is an evil. You. What?